theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. I'm going to jump right into the Word. We will celebrate because at the conclusion of our worship experience today, we have two baptisms for the glory of God. Come on, that's right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to have you be seated in His presence. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read some uh, passages of Scripture to you. I believe our hearts are ready to receive the Word of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bible or your Bible app with us, that's okay. Uh, Go ahead and just direct your attention to the screen. Our media team will display that. I'm just going, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture, uh, and so if you could try to stay focused with me to get the context of what's unfolding, because what I believe it's going to be revealed to you, uh, it's going to change how we see things. I am going to ask our musicians, praise God, our praise team, no, you're good, baby, um, uh, to, to just stay on cue, praise God. We're just going to flow in the Holy Ghost. Uh, My name is Akil Thompson. I'm the pastor here at Extraordinary Church, and we believe we're the perfect church for imperfect people. Uh, We're so glad that you're here today. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. I don't know about you, but that's what I desire. I want people when they come, even myself, to leave or to arrive saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Praise God. We've never seen love like this. We've never seen community like this. We've never seen grace like this. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, uh, sitting at his tax collector's booth. This is Matthew. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked the disciples, his disciples, excuse me, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were were fasting, now all this stuff is happening in context and sequence here. 
some people came to Jesus, oh, excuse me, once uh, when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving even a bigger tear than before. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine in the skins would be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read the scriptures? <laughs> what David did when he was when he and his companions were hungry, he went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar, what was high priest, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to him, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man, watch this, is Lord, even over the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus went into the synagogue again. All this is happening in Capernaum here. He goes into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. You need to know your enemies are watching you closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Now, notice they were looking at him closely to see what he was going to do. Jesus responds to the man with the withered hand, come, stand in front of everybody. <laughs> then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? <laughs> Is this a day to save life or destroy it? Notice, but they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. They couldn't see it because their hearts were hard. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored in front of everybody at once. The Pharisees went away and met with supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. I want to preach this thought. I can see clearly now.
I can see clearly now. Praise God. If there is one thing the church has to fight at this moment that we're living in, we have to fight for vision. I don't mean particularly extraordinary church, although I'm not excluding EC. I'm, I'm speaking broadly here because I'm talking about the church at large. After you come through the kinds of things that we've come through and are coming out of, you will find or experience disorientation, a need for vision. Things like COVID and financial crises, uh, these things have disoriented us, if you will. And vision is a powerful thing. Vision is powerful because without it, Proverbs 29 says that the people perish where there is no redemptive revelation. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. That's what vision is. Where there is no redemptive revelation, the people cast off restraint and people do the craziest things. I want to tell you that God is still very much on the throne. And he's in control, praise God. He's up to something in this moment we live in. I think we all would agree. God has not disregarded his promises. He's not lost his power. God's not sitting in the corner of some universe out of control, watching the devil and all of its hellions, witches, and warlocks run amok here and run the show. No, God is on the throne. And it's imperative, it is incumbent, it is necessary for the people of God to hear the voice of the Lord and to see with the eyes of the Spirit in this very moment. See, vision will not come from what you see with your natural eyes. Some people can see with their natural eyes, but they have no spiritual vision. I talked to you about blind Bartimaeus just a moment ago, but you know what? You've got to keep your spiritual vision. You've got to be able to say, you know what? I don't see the rain, but I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Listen, let me, let, let me give you another example because I, I won't go to Bartimaeus since I kind of gave you a sneak preview on that one. But let's look at Acts chapter 9 verse 3. Verses through nine, three through nine. As he, he being Saul, was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. <laughs> Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. It was literally Jesus speaking to Saul, telling him, why are you persecuting me? You're not persecuting the people, Saul. You're actually persecuting me. Saul's response is interesting. He says, who are you, Lord? He calls him Lord, but he doesn't know who he is. Can I just stop right there and tell you, it is possible to have a knowledge of the Lord and not know who he really is. 
It is possible to have a knowledge of faith, but not understand or know how to operate in faith. It is possible to have knowledge of God, but not be intimately involved in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there was a byproduct of this encounter that Saul has with Jesus Christ. He winds up blind. He winds up coming out of this exchange with Jesus, and he can't see. I think moments before, Saul had a very focused vision, a literal vision set on Damascus. He had a vision of getting to that city, invading that city, and confronting everyone who was in the way. In other words, a follower of Jesus Christ. They weren't known as Christians until Acts 16 in Antioch. Any other, time preceding that, they were considered to be followers of Christ or in the way. And here he has a vision for Saul arresting others. Uh, he has a vision for killing and destroying others. And now he can't see anything. He can only hear something. Whew. I want to stop and slow down. He can't see anything. He can only hear something. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time. He can't see anything. He can only hear. Are we listening to what the Spirit is speaking? Saul was so out of alignment that it required blindness to bring him into alignment. Oh my God, I Paul, or excuse me, Saul at that time thought he could see, thought he had clear vision. But it wasn't until he was blinded and he was listening to what the Spirit was speaking. This is why vision originates from what we hear. Vision originates from what you listen to. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. God shut down Saul's eyes to open up his ears. So when was the last time you closed your natural eyes? And we're so full of things spiritually that it didn't matter what you saw in the natural. When was the last time you and I were so possessed by the promises of God that nothing hell sent our way could shake our faith and we knew that God was something good in our lives? Can I tell you, we need to keep the vision God has given us. Don't allow the enemy to take your vision. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of seeing things. And the greatest thing we need right now is not just a revelation about what he's doing in our lives. It's not just another prophetic word about what he's doing in the church. It's not just another prophetic word of what God wants to do in this region. Jesus wants us to see him. Oh, y'all going to have to help me out a little bit. The Lord wants us to see him. I know it's Vision Sunday, but we need to get our eyes on the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. We need to get our eyes on Jesus and get our eyes off of everyone and everything else. Keep your eyes on him and let the things of this world grow strangely dim. We need a fresh revelation of the risen Christ and the power of that revelation will bring to your life everything that you will ever need and everything that God is going to call you to do. Enough 
with trying to accomplish our God-given assignment without a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the great I Am. There is nobody on his right or his left. He is the Alpha and Omega. We need to see him for who he truly is. He is God. And you, 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 you have no fire in your belly till you see who he is. You, you have no fire in your belly till you've seen the fire in his eyes. You have no fire in your spirit until you've heard the voice that sounds like the voice of many waters. I want to tell you today that sometimes you can come to church every Sunday, and I don't know, some of you might be experiencing that here, maybe not. Somebody may be watching online, and we got to pump, and we got to prime, and we got to push, and we got to cajole, and maybe even coerce, but can I just tell you, nobody, nobody that understands that he laid down his life, and his hands were pierced, and his feet were pierced, and they laid, nailed him on a cross, that God who laid down his life for you and I, and got up from the dead. Those people that understand that don't have to be cajoled into praise. I have, as a, Those people that understand that, we have to beg and plead to stop worshiping. But if you haven't forgotten what he's done in your life, you'll give him praise, you'll magnify him, you'll worship him, you'll give him glory, you'll lift your hands because you know who he is. He is the risen lamb of God. You can see clearly. Now, we need to see Jesus high and lifted up. This nation needs him. This world needs him. And how should they know unless we are sent and preach his name? How will they know? Watch this. I'm going to show you something. This is crazy. Look at Mark 2, 12. I'm going to show you a couple of things here. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Then Jesus, now notice, you, you have to keep in mind here. They think the stun of the onlookers had to be shocking. This guy's paralyzed. He gets up, takes his mat miraculously. People are stunned. Now, to give you sequence, what's about to happen is frankly just as stunning. Because as he goes out and teaches people, they're coming to him. Now, Matthew, a tax collector, the most reviled of that society, the most despised, nobody wanted anything to do with tax collectors. They hated them with a passion, not secretly, overtly, okay? Now, Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me. Matthew just witnesses him tell this dude, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. He also watches. He's teaching people. He's listening to the teachings of Jesus. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to follow him. Now, it gets even crazier. Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to his home. <laughs> he says, Jesus, listen, I've been hated all my life. Nobody 
has ever picked me to do anything. People run from me. I'm having dinner by myself. Y'all not helping me today. Holidays are lonely. My family despises me. People, when they see me, they're giving me money, but they're really giving me looks of death. And you have called me? I'm, you want me to follow you? And so, hey, I, I have an idea. You are blowing my mind, but I'm so bewildered but yet full of faith by what I've seen. You just told this man his sins were forgiven. You just told him to get up and walk. I see you teaching. I've listened to your teachings. And when I begin to hear your teachings, I begin to get a vision. So when you called me, I just came running. But I want to take this thing to another level. I want you to come to my house. I don't want you just to, I don't want to just have this interaction. I want you to come to my house. And as a matter of fact, will you bring the whole church? All your disciples, will they come? I got a better idea. You, your disciples, and then I'm going to bring all my tax collector friends. I'm going to bring the hated, the despised, the overlooked, the people that nobody wants anything to do. Can I bring them to the house? And Jesus is like, the more the merrier. Can I just push pause for a minute and say, everybody is welcome here at Extraordinary Church. The more the merrier. You're broken, good, come here. You're confused, good, come here. Don't know which way to turn, come here. Black, white, red, yellow makes no difference. You're welcome here. All because Matthew heard. He heard these teachings. Now, watch this, Elvis. This is crazy because the Spirit of God is moving. Jesus is fulfilling his purpose. But watch what the religious do. This is, you, 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 you I, it's, watch what the religious do. Let, let, me, let me go back. I got some notes here. I'm, I'm going to go there, Lord, please. I just want to say this about others. See, our theme for 2023 is others. Yeah, yeah. Others. I know that might mess some of you up, but what you need to understand is it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about everybody else that needs this gospel. It's not about the 250 people that consider Extraordinary Church to be home. It's about the 925,000 in Mississauga alone that don't know him. It's about the 7.5 million people in the greater Toronto Hamilton area that don't know him. It's about your neighbor. It's about your co-worker. It's about your mother and father. It's about your nephew and uncle. It's about the people that live behind you. It's about your classmates. It's about your college professor. It's about others. And the crazy thing about it is, look at the immediate interaction or the immediate result of interacting with Jesus. Matthew immediately latches on to his purpose. Immediately. I want to bring people. I want to bring people. EC fam, the Holy Spirit was not given to you if you have received it for us to enjoy a powerful church. It's not been given to you to say, whoo, man, we got our shout on today. Praise God. No, 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 no. It was given to us 
to reach others. We have to be others-centered. All too often we focus on our own needs all while ignoring the needs of others. Listen, Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What is he trying to tell us? He says, and watch this. Look at it. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Every day we make choices. And they affect people's eternal destinies. We must be responsible with the time and resources God has given us. So how can we be more others-focused? Pray for others. Pray for laborers. For the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. And then when we pray, we need to do. See, something powerful happens when we come together. See, we, we, we do this by connecting. I, I'm not going to unpack it. Stephen shared it with us. But e-groups, we want people to be involved in meaningful small groups. You need people, hear me, that you can lean on, walk with, pray with, study with, fellowship with. And we have 15 different groups that you can get connected to. There's got to be one of them that will help you get better connected to him and others. And let me give you some good news. As we get together like Matthew did in his home, it's not just for the EC fam. It's for everybody that is outside of the EC fam. Register for an e-group. Get involved in an e-group. People come here to have their lives changed and renewed, and we want this to remain this way. This is our mission, our apostolic mission. We meet corporately. We meet like we're doing right now on Sundays. We meet corporately, virtually on Wednesdays. But Paul said in Acts 20, 20, that he taught in public meetings and from house to house. In other words, corporate worship, private edification. Ministering from the pastor and then ministering to one another. Something powerful happens when we get together and Jesus shows up. So the first thing is get together. Just get together. This is why the Bible uses language like they, us, and we. Not me, I, and mine. And if you and I want an encounter with Jesus, you might have to start connecting in people, with people in this community of faith. Because something powerful happens when we connect and Jesus shows up. He'll straighten out the mess we often find ourselves in. And I just want to encourage you, make 2023 a year where you don't walk down the road by yourself. Join with someone to walk down the road with you together. Because if you walk down the road with somebody together, with the people of God, Jesus will join you in the journey where two or three are gathered. There he is in the midst of them. And it will get sweeter day by day. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Come on, high five and say, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. You need them. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. So here's what's crazy. Life change takes place for those who were inside 
the house. This is crazy. Look at the life change that takes place. Oh, there's a change you'll experience when you invite Jesus into your home. But the Pharisees want to sit and gawk. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody. When the teachers of the religious law witness this, they get on the offensive. Isn't it interesting that religion is the very thing that caused them to miss the one who they have been waiting for? Can I encourage you for a minute? Distance yourself from religion. If you distance yourself from religion, it'll get you closer to an encounter with Jesus. I could preach this thing till the paint falls off the walls, and that would be a long time. But some of us are too infatuated with our traditions and our organizations and our religion, and all that religious stuff ain't changing no lives. It might have been the epicenter of Capernaum. It might have been the epicenter of Jerusalem. But I'm telling you, that day is over. We're going to have to distance ourselves from religion and realize that we built a monument under something that is not changing our lives. But the further we get away from that and the closer we get to him, he'll do something in our lives that won't be predicated and can't be bound by an organization or an affiliation or a denomination. Can I tell you, he came to seek and to save all that were lost. This isn't a me thing. This is a kingdom thing. So Jesus responds because the religious world has questions. They have to inspect because it's got to meet their approval. Jesus' response focuses explicitly on the need <laughs> and the purpose of his mission. He says, I'm, I, he said, if somebody is sick, he said, this is what I'm here for. Why, why, why? It's not the custom of doctors to spend time with the healthy. It's the custom of doctors to spend time with people that are ill. A doctor must go around sick people. It's ridiculous to imagine a doctor who refuses to meet with patients who are ill. And they're offended because of who Jesus is and where he is. Watch this. The religious leaders missed him because he didn't look like they expected. What am I trying to tell you? Don't have expectations of what it will look like when he's coming to you. The message will never change. The Word of God will never change. But we are in need of a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. How many people, I text a friend of mine today, how many people will miss God because the moves of God coming don't look like they used to? There are kids right now in Kentucky that have been seeking the face of God, and they are stirring up the world. I'm telling you right now, they have begun to seek God. And you know the crazy thing about it? It started on a college campus. Not in a church. 
not in a church building, on a college campus, young people begin to cry out to God. And what started with dozens has been going on for over a week where the house has been packed. Not only the house has been packed, I read an article, it's going down a mile down the street. People seeking God, people being healed, people being delivered, people being filled with His Spirit. And we think it's got to happen in a church building. We need to wake up and get a vision for what God wants to do. Let me just give you a newsflash. God will show up however he wants, whenever he wants. And if you're not careful, you'll miss his presence simply because it looks different in the natural than you thought it was going to look. And what I found out about Jesus is that Jesus will often show up and disrupt your anticipation. He will disrupt what is that preconceived notion you and I have as believers as to what revival is going to look like. And it, that, if we hold on to that, it will keep us from revival itself. Matthew hosts him. See, here's what, here's what some of these kids did. I'm going to switch mics, not because I just. Yes, this is crazy. Matthew hosted him. In other words, Matthew didn't want Jesus to leave. He's not interested in a visitation. He's interested in the habitation. I don't know about you, but there is a hunger that is awakening the hearts and minds. I know I talked about the Asbury Revival, but you know what? That Asbury Revival is spread to almost a dozen different college campuses. All throughout North America. Why can't we be the first here in Canada to have a Mississauga awakening? A revival where people are beginning to look and seek after God and begin to cry after God. And we see people coming out of the buildings coming in. We see people not going to the grocery store but coming here. We see people coming from all over the streets. We see the homeless coming getting healed. We see the construction workers getting healed. We see people leaving the hospital coming here because the healing hand of God is healing. I'm telling you, if it can be, let it happen with me, Jesus. And you know what's interesting? Let me, let me burst your bubbles, especially your Pentecostal bubbles. It started at a Methodist school. Did, did Sarah just said, but did Joel not say? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your young men and your daughters. Let me even help you out even further. You know what's crazy? There were no lights. No camera. No action. 
Nobody standing behind the pulpit, hooping, hollering. No organ backing anybody up. You're just a few people. Jesus. It started with a chapel. God, we, we need you. And what happened is there was a grace that caused them to be aware of their sin. See, you need to realize that sorrow that you have when you are aware of your sin is a grace. It's a gift. Because you realize it separates you from him. But then you appreciate even more the magnitude of that when he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. And he bore those sin and, 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 and defeated death, hell, and the grave. But when you become aware of your sin, you, you don't want lights, camera, and action. You don't want somebody to preach you happy. You just get on your knees and lift your hands and begin to cry out to God. And as we begin to, you know what that is? You get a vision of who you are without him. And then you realize you can't do anything without him. You need him. Is there anybody here that realizes they need him? Come on, is there anybody here that's hungry for him? Is there anybody here that's thirsty? I believe we're tapping into it. I, there's something happening in our services as of late that we've been, that's been drawing us. We've been having extended worship sets. There's something that's saying, God, I'm not interested in ordinary routine church anymore. I'm not interested in a call to worship, two songs, transitions and two more songs and preaching. I want something that will shake my theology. I want something that will shake my understanding. I want something that will demonstrate your power, your might, and your grace in my life. I'm not satisfied. There's a hunger. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. So Matthew says I want to a habitation. And here's how we're going to tear some stuff down. I got to stop. I might have to just do part two. But I'm about to dismantle some stuff right now. Whew. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm overflowing. I got joy. I got breakthrough. I'm just trying to figure out when somebody is going to allow their vision to be awakened. I'm just wondering when somebody's going to acknowledge, and you know what I long for? I, I know this might weird some of you all out, but it, it, it doesn't bother me because at some point, this is, this is all I've ever envisioned, me pastoring. Uh, not me pastoring. I've never envisioned that. God gave me that. But the church, when God called me to pastor, I never envisioned me uh, pastoring or serving a cute religious patty cake, sterile, not messy, really clean, uh, explanation for everything type church. What I envisioned and what I prayed for before I even saw any of you all is that people would stand up and begin to cry out for forgiveness. I've had visions of people standing up saying, God, I'm sorry. Um, forgive me of pornography. God, and brokenness begin to sweep over. I've had visions and dreams of people grabbing their spouse, asking for forgiveness, falling at their feet, 
saying, God, make me a better man. Make me a better woman. I've had visions and dreams of people crying out to God, saying, God, forgive me for not being a good steward of what you've done in my life and what you've given me, God. Restore it unto me. I've had these things kind of popping up in my mind. Not something cute. Not something we can put in a box and say, well, that was good church. No, I've had dreams and visions of people saying, I've never seen anything like this before. There was, there was a tumor on the side of her neck, and it's gone. He came in on a wheelchair, and he's walking out on his own. I've never seen anything like this before. I've, I've never seen people not, not yell. Let me just burst your bubble. Decibels don't equate to anointing. I've never seen a 76-year-old woman get up there feeble, shaking, and say, Jesus loves you, and the power of God fall and hit people. I've, I've never seen a, a nine-year-old kid Go and lay hands on somebody and watch them be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what God wants to do. This is the kingdom. This is Vision Sunday. Hear what the Spirit is speaking. Do you hear what the Spirit is speaking? I'm not asking you what you see with your natural eyes. What do you see with eyes of faith? Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm going to close. I'm going to close only because I literally like him. Got so much more I want to say. But I feel the Holy Ghost is here. So there will be Vision Sunday part two. Cash River, we got to work on a design. Praise God. But more importantly, you know what I believe God is doing? There's a hunger. There's a hunger. There's a hunger for something supernatural. I want our musicians to come. I'm so thankful everybody's watching online. I know many of you all that watch online, you'll say, Pastor, why do you, why do you, why do you cut it off? Because the camera's got to get out the way because everybody's about to respond. So we want you to experience it. For those that are part of our EC fam, we do have folks that are part of our EC fam, not friends. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.